New year, new me. My resolutions are to lose 29 pounds in 30 days. Quit smoking and get out of debt by February. I mean, that's totally doable, right? (laughs) Wait a minute. Stop right there. Why is it that year after year, we put these ridiculous expectations on ourselves and then we feel completely defeated when it doesn't happen? Well, we are going to get down to the nitty gritty of the truth of why resolutions don't work and what we can do instead that will ignite us to a more joy filled version of ourselves for 2023. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks. I am known to be an energetic catalyst and fearless communicator. Over the past 25 years, I have been asked for my advice on relationships, leadership, and love. And this season is completely dedicated to spark those relationships, the way you lead and the way you love. I am sharing my experience and knowledge and to ignite season eight on fire. And today we have a special guest, my good friend who just happens to be an amazing health and fitness and lifestyle coach, Emmett Kinsella. Welcome to the show, Emmett. Hey, Shay. How are you? Good. I'm so excited for you to be here. Yeah, me too. And thank you so much for having me. Well, you know, we were just talking. I can't believe we've known each other for online uh, for a year and a half and then had the lovely um, time to meet you in person where we uh, obviously instantly became best friends after six hours of of coffee. (laughs) Well, yeah, isn't it great? Like 2022 that you can be friends with somebody for such a long time never have met, you know, but you're online with them the whole time. And then all of a sudden you meet and it's like you're instant friends and you're talking for, like you said, six hours and then going, oh my gosh, what the heck time is it right now? Right. So yeah, totally, totally cool. Totally cool. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I I love this discussion about Mm -hmm. why resolutions don't work. And I am sure you as a health and fitness and lifestyle coach get these people all the time that are like, this is what I want. 29 pounds in 30 days. Let's make that happen. (laughs) Right? Like that's my resolution. And you're like, no, let's back that up. (laughs) So tell us your version of why you think resolutions don't work. Um, Okay. Well, first of all, I don't think resolutions are simply a matter of New Year's. I think people... Mm -hmm tend to make them throughout the year. Uh, I think they're, um, they have good intentions with them, but oftentimes resolutions come from a place of something they just desire to do or want to Mm -hmm. do, but they're not necessarily willing to put the action behind it. Um, which is why, you know, resolutions might be good. They might make you feel good you know, because at least you're saying it out loud. So you're kind of like putting it out there like, oh yeah, I want to lose weight. Oh yeah, I want to get healthy. Oh yeah, I want to get in better shape. But unless you have a plan in place, unless you have specific goals in place, then your resolution, which I think has been proven for, I don't even know when resolution started, to be honest with you. (laughs) Um, I would love to do some research to find when the first like New Year's resolution, because that's obviously where we're coming up to uh, in a few weeks. I'm sure it has something to do with Hallmark. Yes. You're <laughs> yes, right? Yes, like it's got to be made absolute, up somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah. And so if it's not snowing and you're not in some quaint little village, you know, where there's a beautiful shops and everybody mm. looks really nice, you know, yes. it's like, you know, what's the point of a resolution? But um, but yeah, with, with New Year's coming up, obviously there's going to be countless people making resolutions. And 
I don't remember. I remember, I remember reading up on the percentage of people that actually follow through with it. And it's pretty dismal. Yeah. Um, you know, so, and in fact, I know, like, I even know people who don't go to the gym in the, for the first two months of the year, because it's so packed with people who everybody's sure. in there with their news resolution. And then they know by probably mid February, it's back to the, where it was, you know, because people just stop. So, you know, resolutions again, while good and well with good intentions, um, are more of a wish than anything. I think that's even what it really is. It's what it should be. What do you wish for? You know, mm. and so if it's a wish, then it's going to remain a wish until you apply some goals to it. Mm. I completely agree. In fact, I've been on both sides of the spectrum. I have been mm -hmm. that person that has gone, signed up and gone to the gym in January, but mm -hmm. I've also learned very quickly that that is not for me. And I need to join uh -huh. the gym in March. Yes. <laughs> when Absolutely. it's like weeds out, it's like, okay, I'm not in part of that crowd. I, I mean to be, take this seriously. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And Absolutely. it's amazing to me to see literally so many people go through this every single year. And mm -hmm. they're like, my resolution is to blank. And I found myself shifting at some point. I couldn't even mm -hmm. tell you when my language around it shifted. Mm -hmm. And I no longer said, well, I'm, my resolutions are, I said, my goals are, this yes. is what my goal for the year is. Mm -hmm. And, and then it even shifted even more. And it went to my intention, what my intention for the year mm -hmm. is. Okay. And yeah. I got even more specific and I don't want to say downplayed, but I really got very specific and in a lane that mm -hmm. is not even, I hadn't even thought of before. Mm. So I love this conversation because there is something about goals that mm -hmm. when we become attached emotionally to them yeah. and we don't achieve them, mm -hmm. then we go through this whole like self-fulfilling prophecy of we didn't do it. That just fires into my, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart mm -hmm. enough. I'm mm -hmm. not whatever enough. And this whole fear cycle of I'm not enough. Yep. And yep. so I, that's when I really shifted from the goal setting to really more, what is my intention that I'm willing to practice to mm -hmm. move forward? And yeah. so what is something that you, how do you take your clients through, you know, goal setting versus intentions versus, I, I know you said you don't really do resolutions. So, you know, when someone comes to you and wants to sign up with you at the beginning mm -hmm. of a year and you're like, I have all these resolutions, what do you say to them? That's great. But here's what we're going to do instead. Uh, and whenever they start uh, the 12 week program that I have, they go through what's called an onboarding stage, which is about a week where they're basically preparing to go into this program. And it kind of introduces them to the program, kind of gives them some nuts and bolts. But one of the things that we do is we talk about goals. And there's actually a video, a short video that I, that I have them watch what, um, that talks about the importance of goal setting. But you actually pointed something out that's very important with all my clients, which is I call it peeling back the onion, right? Mm -hmm. So most people, what'll happen is yes. they'll say, yes, I want, you know, I have these goals. I'm like, great, what's your goal? And I even have them write it down, send it to me, and we address it on our first coaching call. Um, and that's usually our first coaching call. Our first coaching call is all about their goals. Oftentimes what people do is they'll put down on a piece of paper, my goal is to lose 20 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. Or my goal is to get in better shape or reverse, you know, so I specialize in intermittent fasting, right? So to reverse like insulin resistance or whatever, right? And then what I do is I get on the phone with them and I say, okay, now why is that important? 
and they'll say, well, I want to lose the weight because, you know, it's going to help my confidence. Okay. Well, why is that important? Why is it important to have confidence? And they'll say, well, you know, because then I feel better and, you know, going out in public, I'm not as, okay. And so why is that important? And you keep <laughs> asking why, and yeah. almost every single time it comes back to either um, family, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of mothers, for instance, will say, well, you know, I really want my kids to see me actually accomplish this so I can show them what they can really do if they put their mind to something, you know, and then that's when I go, exactly. That's what you, that's your goal. I said, yes, your goal, you know, on a surface level is to lose that weight. Awesome. But you know what? At some point you're going to lose the weight. At some point you're going to reverse the insulin resistance. At some point you're going to be healthy. What is going to, what is going to keep you moving forward at that point? And if you don't have an emotional attachment to that goal, if you don't have an emotional why, you're going to stop, you know? And I know I've had, I've done that too in years past where, you know, I wanted to, you know, of course, when you're young and you're in your twenties, I mean, like, oh, I want to get in shape. I want to have, I might be, I might be dating myself a little bit, but I want that Baywatch body. Right. You know? And yeah. it's, so it's like, you know, you want to go to the pool and, you know, it's like, you want the, a little ego, you want a little mm -hmm. bit of that, like, oh, okay. Yeah. You're in good shape, you know? But then what happens is you get there and then what, mm. you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of, it dies at that point. Yeah. And I would notice that I wasn't as intentional in my workouts. I wasn't as intentional with my eating. I wasn't as intentional with my sleep. And cause I had already quote unquote arrived, if you will. Right. And so, so by attaching that emotional why to it now, it's like, well, no, I'm not going to stop now because if I'm trying to prove something to my kids, or if I'm trying to be an example to other people, because we have a serious health crisis in this country, then I'm going to continue moving forward because it's not about me. And I think that's the thing. The goal eventually can't be only about you because if it's only about you, you're eventually going to get to that point where you're just going to say, all right, I've made it. It's good. And then that's when things start to slow down. And a lot of times that's when you start reverting backwards and you start going back to where you were. So, so yeah, so that's kind of what I take a clients on early on. Um, you know, obviously it's important to always affirm, you know, what it is that they're talking about, because that's, that's how they see their goals. That's what's important to them. And so then it's my job to kind of open up and expand their understanding of what goals are and why they're so important and why they're needed, you know, so I have them write them down because it's a proven fact that goals that are written down are, are you're more likely to attain them if they're actually written down. I also tell them to put them places where they can see those goals so that they're always reminded of them. And so for instance, you know, to that mother who might be having a rough day because she's kind of putting a lot of pressure on herself. She may be messed up for a couple of days and, you know, it's like, okay, you got to show yourself grace, but at the same time, Remember why you're doing this. This isn't just about you. This is about your kids. This is about your husband. This is about not being, you know, 60 years old and a walker because you haven't taken care of yourself or putting so much pressure on your children as you do get older because you have so many chronic health issues that they need to now take care of you when they really shouldn't have to at the, you know, being a 60, 65 years old, you know, so, so those are all little things that I work with clients with, but goals are a huge, and it's something I remind them with as the, as the program continues. So yeah, goals are absolutely huge. Resolutions are a good start. They're a good starting point, but you, we eventually got to get to goals and then we got to get to that emotional why.
So I'll share mine if you share yours. Yeah, what, absolutely. Your <laughs> what's my why? Yeah. Um, well, so for health and fitness is to, is I kind of mentioned it. There is a significant health crisis in this country. Um, there was a study done by, I believe, UNC Chapel Hill uh, back in 2018 that took, that basically addressed metabolic health, okay? And um, don't want to butcher it, but metabolic health is five factors. And it talks about um, uh, insulin, I believe, insulin resistance, uh, blood pressure, triglycerides, um, waist circumference, I believe. And there's one other one. Anyway, uh, these are five, five factors that contribute to metabolic health. So they did a study and they concluded, and what metabolic health is, I'm sorry, what metabolic health is, is basically that you're of optimal health and not on any sort of prescription medication, right? Mm -hmm. So you are, uh, your body is able to function the way it was designed to function. When they did the study, they were floored at the results. It came back that 12 percent of the population is added actually considered metabolically healthy being unmetabolically only 12 percent yeah only so wow. being metabolically unhealthy leads to all sorts of chronic illnesses i mean it's a laundry list of, of chronic illnesses and what happens you get these chronic illnesses you go to the doctor they put you on prescription medication mm -hmm. that prescription medication why it might address the one thing you're dealing with and put a band-aid over the problem it creates other issues mm -hmm. and never actually heals you so, yes. so that is one of many reasons why, you know, there, there's such a health crisis in this country and a little bit, you know, kind of of things that I've gone through, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned when we met that I had COVID back in 2021, I was in the hospital for five days and it was the first time ever in my life that coming out of it, I couldn't physically do the things that I used to be able to do without a problem. You know, I mean, even if you get an injury, you heal from the injury, but this was something that was so different. You know, I dealt with the fatigue. I dealt with the brain fog. I dealt with uh, cardiac issues for a period of time. And I literally got to a point where I was like, I don't know if I'll ever get back to where I was. Wow. And just through consistent and persistent effort, you know, intermittent fasting, eating a clean and healthy diet, um, doing what I could physically, and then building upon that over time, getting good enough sleep. All of a sudden I found myself actually better than I was prior to mm. getting COVID. Wow. And it kind of was like a bell went off my head. And I was like, you know what? There are people out there. And also to backtrack a little bit, you know, I, I'm convinced I got COVID because at the prior to that, I wasn't taking care of myself very well. You know, I wasn't getting the exercise. I wasn't eating as well, I was still fasting, but I wasn't really as intentional with everything. So I'm convinced my immune system was pretty shot at that point, came in contact with it, got it, ended up in the hospital, you know pretty scary when I went in there. But when I came out, it kind of started to open my eyes to the whole, we have a major health crisis in this country. And it not only is affecting the healthcare, healthcare industry, but it's a, it's a domino effect. I mean, they came out recently, the military did, and said that they cannot find recruits that are able to pass the minimum requirements because they're all basically fat and unhealthy is what, is wow. what their language was. And so this is not just an issue of healthcare. This is a defense issue. This, mm -hmm. you know, let's consider all the, how people are affected mentally and emotionally from their health. I mean, food, processed food mm -hmm. really affects the neurotransmitters in your brain. You yes. know, I mean, there's people walking around on all sorts of medication, kids, especially mm -hmm. when the react, when the real issue is simply the food that they're eating you know, the processed food, the sugar, the, you know, the refined carbs, everything that is contributing to all this. So 
you ask like what my why is, if you will, or and what my goals are, my why is to address and somehow do my part to kind of um, combat this growing health crisis, but also provide a simple, effective, and maintainable way to go about it. You know, there's a lot of information out there on health and wellness, and it can get very confusing. Um, it can seem overwhelming, and it leads people in that analysis paralysis where they just don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And so I want to provide something that, again, is simple, effective, and maintainable that people can apply. They can realize how simple it is to live a healthy and fit lifestyle and the amazing benefits you get from it and, and share that message with as many people as possible and create kind of that exponential growth, if you will, where then they go through the program, they then share it with other people, you know, so that it just creates this domino effect where more and more people and if that, if that, if somehow we can change that 12% to even 15% or even 20%, it would have a significant impact on, on our country. And so that's kind of the emotional why behind what I'm doing. I get very, very passionate. I'm a little times a little too passionate when I talk <laughs> to people about it because they're not in the same mindset as I am. And mm -hmm. so it can really be like, whoa, this guy is really into this stuff. And it's like, <laughs> you don't understand. I'm like, this is so important, you know, because, yeah. you know, and just one more thing too, like I'm 42 now. So I'm of the age where aunts and uncles are now in their seventies and eighties. And I'm seeing the, the unfortunate circumstances that family members are being put in simply because they just didn't take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say you gotta be Mr. Olympia or Miss Fitness USA. If you just simply make some simple changes, change some habits and create some behaviors, you can drastically change your health, not just now, but in the future. And it will not only impact you, but it'll impact everybody around you too. So it's probably a much longer answer, but at the same time, it's still, like I said, I'm very passionate about this. And my goal is to get that message of health and fitness um, by unlocking the power of intermittent fasting to as many people as possible. I love your answer. And the key word that I want everyone to really hear is that you mm -hmm. said the word heal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You are a healer. And I think people who are coaches are healers. Mm -hmm. And I, I, that's what I do is I heal. And the reason my why is because I healed. Mm -hmm. uh, you mm -hmm. healed, right? Mm -hmm. And yes. now you want to help others heal because you saw something that you had never seen before mm -hmm. in yourself and in others. And you're like, oh yeah, I, I, I need to, I need to be able to share what I've learned. Mm -hmm. And that's really part of what this podcast series is about, what the podcast right. that I do, the coaching that I do, the speaking, the books, all the things that I do is because I invested in myself. Mm -hmm. I started to heal. And then the conversations that I had with myself changed. Mm -hmm. And then that overflowed onto the conversations I had with others, my family, mm -hmm. my clients, everything okay. shifted. And for me, I went from my dad not being able to we, you know, we talked about the weather and how my car was running. And that was the two things that we pretty much only talked about. Maybe, maybe football, maybe, right. but right. barely, right. It was mostly about the car <laughs> and weather to, we had deep dive conversations where mm -hmm. in the last six months of his life, he 
shared with me about how he was drafted to Korea. And I didn't know any of that until that time. And I look back, he's gone now. And I look back and I'm like, he and I really shifted to where he became my best friend in the last five years of his life. And we not only healed our relationship, but I was able, because I changed the way I spoke to him. I also changed the way I spoke to everyone. Mm-hmm. my brothers were able to heal their relationships with him. He went to my mom and they were, had been divorced for tw- almost 30, 25, 26 years mm-hmm. and thanked, she was uh, had terminal cancer and was thanking her for the job that she did with us because he wasn't there. Wow. Wow. I mean, yeah. And I'm like, if this can happen to my family, if this mm-hmm. can happen to me, then I want to you and, and everyone to have these tools and skills and awareness to be able to go show up in their life as the leader that they were designed to be and mm-hmm. be able to be have these fruitful and fulfilling and wonderful uh, relationships with their team or their their spouse or their children or even their parents and be able to show up in a way that is fearless rather than full of fear of not willing and able or have the tools to say what it is they really mean. Instead, they hide it in other things. They hide it in sarcasm or they might drink, you Mm -hmm. know, and instead of actually having a conversation, they stuff it down with food instead of, and I used to be that person. I, instead of telling someone how I actually felt or what was going on with me, I would come home from school. I realized this about 20 years ago, I started journaling for the first time. Okay. And I, and for the first time I sat down, I literally was like, I don't know what I want to write. This is stupid, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to keep going. I mean, literally the thoughts, it was a, a brain great dump. Start. A <laughs> brain a great, dump is what I call it's a great it, right? start, yeah. And that's literally what I did. I just wrote down like whatever was showing up in my head, I wrote it down. And as I kept writing in the one sitting, as I kept writing, I realized this story came up about Oh yeah. Remember when you were in sixth grade and you had to go to the board and I felt in my mind's eye of myself, I had this image that I was larger than I really was appeared larger Mm -hmm. than I really was right. That I couldn't make it down the path of the desks and that I was going to knock everything over with my hips on the way down from books to Kleenex. Right. (laughs) And by the time I'm at the board and I'm doing the problem, I am sweating profusely. I'm having a, I didn't know that I was having a panic attack in sixth Mm -hmm. grade in middle, like middle school age. Right. Wow. But that's what I discovered in that first writing of the journal. And then I went to, oh my God. And then I go home and instead of expressing what I went through and ask for help, I just went home and shoved whatever food that was in front of me. And Mm -hmm. not, and to make things worse, my mom, I learned this term later. My mom was called what's called a feeder. Okay. Yeah. So in compulsive eaters or, um, you know, uh, what is it called? Um, codependent relationships. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. a person who's an eater and there's a person who's a, a a feeder who actually Mm -hmm. feeds you. Mm -hmm. So instead of having the conversation, she's enabling me. Yep. Yep. Instead of equipping me with counseling or equipping me with other tools because she didn't have those tools. She didn't understand. She was enabled her whole life. 
Mm-hmm. And now here she is in her prime of her life. And she's just a repeating the pattern of what she did as mm-hmm. her, as a child of what her mom did. And it was like, oh my gosh, wow. And that first mm-hmm. time I sat down journaling, I was like, oh my God. And when the food no longer served me when I was probably like 13, 14, probably more 14, 15, I started drinking. Mm-hmm. And then I was shoving alcohol down my throat as fast as possible mm-hmm. and to hide those feelings. <clears throat> and I think that's the interesting thing about with, with food and food is so different than alcohol food. You cannot cut out alcohol. You can cut out completely. Well, and food's accepted, yes. you know, food, yes. food is, food is accepted. It's a, it's something you use to send you alcohol too, but we, we know alcohol to be cause a lot of issues like quickly right there you know there can be an immediate effect from alcohol you can get in your car and kill somebody you know you can find yourself passed out behind a dumpster you know like there's immediate things that we see with alcohol whereas food it's a little different you know and 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 so therefore it's more accepted um and of course if it tastes good you enjoy it other people partake with you you know, so food is is a very different thing altogether, um, and is not. There start people are starting to re- wake up a little bit more to it now. I'd say over the past ten years, especially uh, the healing power of food. You hear that a lot now. Yes, food is yes. food is medicine. Yes. Um, you know, thank goodness that's starting to happen. We're starting to see a yeah. lot more people open right. up about it. Um, but something I I was you kind of touched upon it a little bit. Um, you know, and you talked about healing and then helping other people to heal. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that is, I always keep in the back of my head whenever I'm engaging with somebody is, um, I think it was that, was it Maya Angelou? People don't care what you do. They care about how you treat them or something to that effect. I think she said that. Um, But a lot of times it simply takes a person to show that they care. And it takes, it. you know, it, it because people are, you know, we live in a very, dark world right now. We live in a world where people are struggling more than ever. Uh, People have very little hope as to what's going to come around the bend, what the future holds. Um, And so now more than ever, we need people like you to be able to be willing to kind of step into that battle zone, if you will, where people are suffering silently, you know, they're caught where they're just accepting things as they are and be willing to say, hey, talk to me, like, what's going on? You know, what, what's the, what's real, because the thing that, the thing that um, I don't necessarily advertise with my program, because a lot of times people don't, they don't know it until it starts to happen. But of course, when people get involved in some type of health and fitness program, the first thing is lose weight. They want to lose weight. They want to look better. Right. Um, But the reason they haven't gotten to that point yet is because there's something going on internally mm-hmm. that they have not overcome yet. And so they literally sabotage any effort that they try to do, or yes. they simply think they're not good enough, or it's just, this is just how it is. Like one of the things I can't stand is when people say, oh, you know, I'm putting weight on and you know, whatever, but that's, that's what happens when you get older. And I'm like, have you looked at movies from the forties and fifties? Because all of them look pretty lean you know, in pretty good shape for the most part. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily true or if that's just something we've been taught to say so that we don't necessarily have any sort of desire to do anything about it. 
we just accept it as what it is. And so I think, I think the thing is, is like, you know, one of the things that I know when we met that I loved what, what you're doing is you're taking your experiences and the things that you've done and mm -hmm. been through the hard things. One, you're willing to be transparent about it, which we need more people to do. Uh, and two, you're willing to actually go up to that person and say, hey, how are things going? And when they give you that, like, oh, great. You look at them and go, no, how are things going? Like, how are, like, how are you doing? Are you, are you okay? You know, and it's amazing how once you show you care, people go, actually, no. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, and it's amazing when that wall comes down because people have walls up big time, you know, oh, they yeah. wear masks and they try to hide what's going on. And it's just, it, it's just a matter of you want to be there to listen. You want to be able to allow them to, to vent. You want to be to allow to share their frustration, but then you want to have the ability to say, okay, now what can we do to reverse this or change this, get you on a new path, change course so that what was will no longer be. And what's to come will be even better. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's like, that's, that's what I think. So, um, so like, so for instance, like in your story, was there a moment where you saw somebody or somebody took the time for you to say, Hey, let's talk like what's going on. Well, uh, yes and no. Okay. Um, so no one actually ever said, let's talk. In fact, mm -hmm. I think about that often with my parents, like, hello, their teenage daughter was an alcoholic and had gotten a DUI, had to go through mandatory AA. Why didn't any, why didn't they ever question like what's going on? Never, they never asked that because they had their shit that they were. I was that, just gonna, yes, you absolutely. know, they had their stuff that they were going through that because they were getting ready to get a divorce, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, and and I don't blame them in any way, shape, or form. It's just that's how it was, mm -hmm. and, and I want to say something. Thank you so much for saying that I'm transparent. It's because I learned to be. Yes. So when I was around that same age uh, sixth grade type of age, that whole anxiety type thing. I, um, had someone attempt to rape me. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that because of that incident that I fed myself to protect myself. Right. And a lot of times women, mm -hmm. we do that to add extra weight. So we aren't looked upon as a sexual being anymore or quote unquote, a target or the opposite. Yes. They see themselves as one. And so then they present themselves as, because that's how they feel they get attention. So you're right. right. Exactly. Right. Uh, yeah. And so I had this thought in my head that I mm -hmm. was, I used the word compulsive eating. One of my friends had said she had went through weight loss surgery and she had to go through the, the I think it's overeaters anonymous compulsive eating, some mm -hmm. sort of like <clears throat> that type of training first before she had the weight loss surgery. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me a couple of things about it. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, do you have that? And I was like, Oh my God. Yes. I'm such a compulsive. <laughs> like I'm an overeater. Like this is it. This is it. And it literally wasn't until almost 20 years later that I actually went to a weight loss doctor myself. And first of all, he looked at time. me. Right. And he looked at me and he's like, why are you here? First of all, <laughs> second of all, he was like, uh, you're not a compulsive eater. And I go, how do you know? And mm -hmm. he said, um, when you go through a fast food, 
what do you order? And I'm like, I get a number, whatever, from a whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever fast food, I get a number, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he goes, and how many do you get? I'm like, how many? (laughs) I get one. And then, and then where do you go after that? And I'm like, home. So wait a minute, you don't go to another fast food place. I'm like, why would I go to another fast food place? Because that's what compulsive eaters and overeaters do. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. wow. Like my mindset, I had lit, like my, it totally shifted just by having that conversation with that doctor. I did nothing else with him, but I needed that confirmation and that permission to let go of that story mm. that I was mm-hmm. telling myself that, oh, I, I'm just, I'm just an overeater. I'm just a compulsive eater. I can't figure out why my emotions are out of this, that I can't control myself. That wasn't the truth at all. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. the lie that I had been listening to that I had been believing about myself. And that is what brings everything full circle is the Mm -hmm. lie that we listen to one about relationships, about leadership and about love. It has nothing to do with the lie. It has everything to do about how we decide to change that lie. Mm -hmm. Or and believe it or not. go Right. It goes Mm -hmm. back to mindset, right? And not only does it how we show up then shifts, but it goes back to then resolutions. Our goals then start to shift and and our why starts to shift, Uh right? And and then the the momentum goes, oh, okay. So we go here now rather than, oh, I thought I was on this track. And and so it's, it's, um, so like, obviously we talked for six hours when we met, there's so (laughs) much to talk about around this that- We forget as society that we have a choice on how we want to show up, on how you mentioned it being intentional, how mm-hmm. intentional we want to be on the water that we drink, the the mm-hmm. moves that we make every day, how much are we moving every day, how much are we eating, how much are we not eating. I've even had a nutritionist tell me one time, you know, Shay, you're not actually eating enough. That's very common. And I, again, Mm -hmm. was blown away because Mm -hmm. my mom had started me on a diet at that sixth grade year. And, you know, this is the calorie deficit. That's it. No more. And I spent years doing that. And whenever, and again, I started to have the panic attacks when I started to realize there was too too many calories on my plate. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh yeah, none of that. None of that was happening. Yep. Eat less and move more. Doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't, they've proven it actually. It doesn't I work. Know. So, it, yeah. it, but it, it's that mindset shift, right? Yes. That you have to get out of. Yeah. And it's funny you yeah. said that because one, because one of the things that I tell clients very early in the program is I'm like, listen, this is going to require a mindset shift, just like you said, because there are certain things you've been fed over the years that you just believe to be truth just because that's all you've heard you're going to hear things in this program that you may not either have heard or even agree with based on the things that you've been told for so many years. But if you just listen to me, if you just follow the way this thing's mapped out, you're going to be very surprised. Like take intermittent fasting, for instance. Well, how could you possibly, you know, lose weight, get in great shape, maintain muscle, if not put on muscle by not eating. And it actually happens. It actually, because, you know, human growth hormone increases with intermittent fasting. And so there's certain things that happen in the body that actually promote muscle growth. 
And so it's like, but again, it's so, or take for instance, healthy fats, you know, fats have been demonized since Mm -hmm. probably I, you know, one of the videos that I do with people in the program is I kind of go over a little bit of the history, just a little bit of, of where this whole anti-fat movement came from, you know, back in the forties, then into the fifties with cardiac patients. And then it started to become, you know, a little more mainstream in the six, in the sixties, then in the seventies, it's like you had the health and fitness uh, industry, the government all of a sudden got involved, which is never a good thing, mm-hmm. um, and then, right. you know, and then you had the medical professional, they all came together and they even changed the dietary guidelines in the government to all of a sudden show health, you know, fat is bad. And so then we, as the masses just went, Oh, okay. Yeah. Fat's bad. Fat's bad. So we cut fat out of our diet completely. And now we have all these chronic health issues that have come 30, 40 years later. And so it's a mindset shift. You know, you, like I always say, you don't know what you don't know because you don't know it. And so unless you're willing to actually open yourself up and you, you spoke to the whole truth and lies thing, the hard thing is, is for people sometimes is there's one truth and there's hundreds or thousands of lies. Lies. Yes. And so it's almost like, I remember, remember the movie, uh, catch me if you can. Yes. Frank Abergale, I think his name was. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so funny, funny thing about that movie, it's one of the few movies that the real life story is crazier than the actual movie. Right. Um, I was, I was reading up about it and they said the, the movie did not do this guy's life justice. Like the stuff he did is just beyond right. Well, after he got out of, out of prison, I guess the FBI hired him to basically mm-hmm. help people like with fraud, money, fraud, and things like that. And they asked him, you know, with all the different counterfeit currencies out there and all this sort of like how do you teach these people to be able to spot them? He goes, well, I don't spend a lot of time on the counterfeits. He goes, what I do is I teach them about the real thing so that they know the real thing inside and out. So the moment a counterfeit comes around, they can spot it a mile away. And I was like, that's brilliant. Because what we do oftentimes is we try to pick out all that, well, is this a lie? Is this a lie? Why not just focus on what is the truth? And then naturally the, you'll reject the lies because it won't line up with what the truth says. And so, you know, when it comes to anything in life, I think that's very true because, you know, lies, I mean, they over, they, they, uh, um, what's it, they overpromise and underdeliver all the time. And so it's, you know, it's like, you, they sound good at first. They sound like they make sense. You start to do it. And then you recognize this isn't turning out the way that I hoped or wanted to what's going on. And, you know, it, and it has a domino effect. It starts to affect your, your, your mental uh, side. It starts to affect you emotionally, your confidence, your self-esteem. So, you know, it's, it, it's so important to understand what the truth is to be able to reject those lies. And like you said, that is something that in, in my program, um, again, I don't really advertise it so much, but I spend probably more time dealing with the emotional and mental side of things than I do really with the physical component because the physical component is pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of, it's not difficult to do. You know, it's that mental and emotional state that people are in from years and years of what they consider failure that mm-hmm. has just compounded over time where they literally don't think they can do it. You know, and the reality is, is once they start setting goals and they don't have to be these enormous goals, that's a, something, that's another thing too that I'm very adamant. I'm like, there is this mentality out there like, oh, make a goal so big that it's just going to stretch you. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. 
but also too, like if you come to me and say, Hey, Emmett, in the next 12 weeks, I want to lose 150 pounds. I'm going to be like, Hmm. Okay, I'm all about stretching yourself, but I'm also not about setting yourself up to fail. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you that you are setting yourself up to mm-hmm. fail and you're going to be disappointed because you are not losing 150 pounds in 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. So I teach them, I want you to kind of go a little bit past your comfort zone. So if you're thinking, oh, 10 pounds, I can do that. Okay, let's make it 15 then. You know, just a little bit more. And then as time goes on, let's say you start to lose that weight a little faster because everybody's body's different. Well, then, we, you know, goals are fluid. You can, you can change them. You don't have, it's not like you set a goal and you're sitting there going, oh no, oh no, oh no. You know, it's like, what do I do? What do I do? If, you know, if you recognize like, hey, this goal is a little too easy. All right, let's bump it up then. You know, we can readjust that. We can readdress that halfway through the program if you want to, you know, but making sure that those goals, because as you start to accomplish your goals little by little, it actually does amazing things for your self-confidence and your self-esteem because simply just saying like, Hey, I'm going to go and accomplish this. Okay, great. Then you go accomplish it. Now you're convincing yourself subconsciously that you can do it. And then you build on that. And then the next goal and the next goal and the next goal. You know, so uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced that before too, you know, where maybe mm-hmm. if you look back as to those goals you had when you first kind of started your journey, you probably look back. I know I did. I do where I'm kind of like, that's kind of an easy goal. Like I can't, you know, but <laughs> it was, it was kind of a starting off point. And it, what it did more so is not so much the, the results were more um, mental. They were mm-hmm. more a matter of improving my own confidence and self-esteem and self-worth to believe like, well, if I can do that, then I can do the next one. And then I can do the next one. And the next, and then before you know it, 10 years goes by and you're going, whoa, you know, like this has been an amazing journey so far, you know? So, um, so yeah, so I don't know if you have a similar experience with that. Well, yeah, I think it all comes down for me is self-worth. Literally everything comes down to self-worth. And I Mm -hmm. didn't realize how I didn't have any. I mean, I, I think people are like, oh, you had low self-esteem. No, I don't. I think it was more than that. I think I had <laughs> no self-worth, not just low self-esteem. I literally think I had no self-worth. That was because, negative. <laughs> right. Like I was depleted of anything. And, and, and I say that jokingly, but truthfully, I look back. I mean, the depression that I felt as a kid, I can remember thinking, I don't know why I'm here. Like, I don't know. I'm ignored. I'm, I'm not nurtured. I'm just... I'm just a person in this house that exists. And I didn't really feel like I had a contribution to my family. And now think about that. Think about that on a spiritual concept, as well as I want to talk about discernment. So make sure I circle back around to that because you said something earlier that, that really made me think about that. So think about this as a child. First of all, our childhood experiences shape our adult decisions. Number one, 100% all the time. And as a child, I literally thought I didn't have a contribution to my family. And yet, how many years later, what happened? I healed and the entire family healed because I healed. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if you're listening, you're watching the audience, I just want you to understand that maybe you're the one that has to do the work to heal Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that your relationship with your family will improve. Mm-hmm. 100%. And, 
And you said the word about um, believing the lies. And I just want to say that for years, I believed the lies. And then I went to God. I'm a very mm-hmm. prayerful person. I know you, you have a, a walk as well. You're a believer as mm-hmm. well. And, and so if it's universe, you know, feel free to talk to the universe, whatever that looks like for you. Um, but what, for me, it's like, I literally would go to God in prayer and be like, God, is this true about me? Like, is mm-hmm. that really what's happening when I was writing that journal? And I was like, oh my gosh, was I really that big? And I was knocking off the books and like, no, first of all, the whole the space is narrow think about that revert rechange the way you're looking the lens you're looking at this mm-hmm. and the thing i love about um my relationship and i'm sure you can say the same thing is that god sees us through the lens of love mm-hmm. and there is absolutely nothing that we could do or look like that he wouldn't love and accept mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is where my worth started to shift is that I went, okay, if God loves me in this package, then why can't I love me in this package? Because I know I used to think no one loves me because of this package. Mm-hmm. And it's so not true. No, uh, And it's so not true. And I had to re- really not just reframe, but I had to relearn Mm -hmm. how that inner negative voice spoke to me was a lie. And I had to call it out every single time I heard it and said, that's a lie. What is true? Mm -hmm. And really focused on doing that, which is not easy because you're literally holding your thoughts captive. You are literally able to listen then to the discerning voice, right, of God who's saying, no, my child, that is not who you are. Let me tell you who you are. Yep. Yeah. And it comes down to, it comes down to identity. Yes. You know, I think that's, that's a word that I've noticed co- coming up in a lot of conversations with people. Yes. You know, if your identity is in other people or the world, um, or what the world can get you. If your identity is in your accomplishments, if your identity is in the car you drive, the house you live in, you know, how good your kids are and all that sort of stuff, those things will all fail you at some point. And so it's important to have your identity in the one who will never fail you, no matter what. And so, you know, yes, like you said, you know, I, I uh, became a, a Christian at 25 um, and it completely changed my life. I mean, it, it, it's funny. I've even told people, I don't know if I mentioned this to you when we were talking, um, when I look back before 25, I can remember things that I did, but I really can't tell you the emotions I was feeling in those moments. <laughs> and so, right. and it's, it's strange because, you know, I talked to anybody else and they remember like, oh yeah, I remember I was 15 and I was doing this. Oh, I was so scared. I was so, I don't remember. I really don't. And so mm. that whole being born again, mm. it's true. Like mm. you really are a new, a, a, you are, you are a new person. And so um, that for me began a, a very long journey, which continues to today. 
um, where there was immediate things that changed. And then there have been things that have been an ongoing process. Um, but all it, it all comes back to identity. Who, where do you put your identity in? And that then leads to self-worth. You know, it leads to your own, do you have your confidence in you or is your confidence in him? Because if your confidence is in you, you're you're setting yourself up for a rough ride. But if your confidence is in him, believing him, his truth, then which is the truth, then you'll ne- he'll never fail you, no matter what happens in your life. You know Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things out for the good of those who love him, who are, call- who are called according to his purpose. You know it's like it will all work out no matter what. But it comes back down to identity. You know if you don't have your identity steeped in him then your identity is is on is in quicksand you know it's not on some sturdy rock at all and so you know everything that i do today really stems from that you know it's i mean that's really what it is you know it's it's helping people become the best version of themselves and who they were created to be because we need more people to do that you know we need more people to step into who god created them to be because there are, again, like I go back to that whole, like there are hurt people hurting, there are people struggling, there are pe- even people who look like they have it all together. Sometimes they're the ones who are struggling the most because mm-hmm. they're trying to put an image on. They're trying to play the part, you know? And it's like, I personally believe that taking control of your health and fitness is an absolute necessity to be able to, like somebody was, t- I was talking to a client recently and they were saying that, like I, we never talked about this, but she was even saying how, she just wants everything God has for her. And she realizes that her failure to take care of her health and wellness has impeded that significantly. Mm, wow. And I said, I said, you know, it's interesting because in scripture, you know, Paul even says how, you know, physical training is of importance, but obviously spiritual training is of greater importance. I said, here's the thing though, Paul didn't live today. He didn't live in a, in a society where we have copious amounts of sugar, which is a drug. I mean, it's mm-hmm. proven to be a drug, yes, right? Yes, the dopamine yes. effect in your brain and everything. Mm-hmm. Tons of processed foods that, like, we, like I mentioned earlier, literally control the neurotransmitters in your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, refined carbohydrates that do all sorts of other and are, pred- are predominantly in processed foods. He didn't have that. So I kind of think if Paul was around today, he would have said, okay, physical training is pretty stinking important, guys. You know, still not as important as the spiritual, but hey, listen, if you want to be used by God the way that you can be used by him, well, if you can't get out of your chair, if you get tired walking down the street, if you yourself suffer from a lack of confidence and self-worth, well, that's going to impede on your ability to be used by him. And so let's get the health and fitness side component work, you know, in where it can be used effectively. And now think about the ways he can use you. It's not a, it's not a prerequisite, but it's going to make things a lot easier for you if you simply take control of your health and fitness, you know? So I think that's, that's a huge uh, component to, uh, um, to just your, your journey, you know, that God has you on. Amen. Clearly we're having church. Here. <laughs> I, know, <right? laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And, and I, I kind of want to, you know, just kind of end on this yeah. um, for a minute and really just say how, you know, all of this that we've been talking about is a healing journey. Mm-hmm. And one of my clients today said, 
how do I, how do I, when is it over? When is the healing journey over? And I said, <laughs> when you're dead. Yeah, and he was, he laughed and he was like, what? And I go, seriously, healing is a journey. It is not a destination. And the great thing is, is that it starts with making that conscious decision. It allows you to stop the autopilot, mm. to put the, put, to put the wrench in the cog, if you will, and go, wait a minute, I need to make some different changes. Intentional. Very intentional. Mm -hmm. And it starts with literally that. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said earlier, something about there's this whole, I don't know what I don't know what I don't know. It's where I start. Mm -hmm. What is it that I don't know that I need to know in order to move forward? So if our audience, if you're thinking, well, I don't know where to start in health and wellness and fitness and lifestyle, Emmett, please tell them how you can, can how they can connect with you. Well, it's pretty simple. So the best way to connect with me is through Facebook. Um, they can either, they can just flat out friend request me if they want. Uh, Emmett can sell. There's not many of us out there, um, so which is great. So which is probably something you experienced too. I remember my dad saying, you know, you're very fortunate to have a unique name because people always remember you. You know, you're not a John. You're not a Mike. You're not a whatever, you know, Jeff or something like people go, Oh, Emmett. Oh yeah, absolutely. So Emmett Kinsella, or they can check out the, uh, the fit 360 lifestyle group page. Um, it is a private page, um, but they can just ask to be invited in. And of course I'll let them in. Um, you know, unless you're a brand new person to Facebook, literally a day old, and you have one friend and you're from some foreign country, Maybe I'll be a little bit cautious at that point. Yeah. Um, not to say I don't trust you, but you know, you have to be careful. Um, because in the group, I do want people to feel somewhat safe in the group. Um, so that and and the focus obviously is I share in the message of health and fitness um through the power of intermittent fasting, uh, tips, all sorts of stuff um, that I offer. Obviously, it's a great way to connect with me too through Messenger. Um, uh, if anybody's interested in the program, we can talk about that too. Um you know, and, uh, and yeah, so fit 360 lifestyle, um, group page is probably the best way to reach me or just friend request me on Facebook. Well, thank you for taking your time for being here, yeah. for sharing your knowledge, your experience, your, your energy with us. Cause I just, <laughs> obviously, like we said, we could talk for another six hours. We just have oh, yeah. such, we just have such great energy together. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things that I love about you is that you engage. Hmm. So I know our audience, you are listening and you're like, okay, but I mean, he's just one of those people that are, you know, a coach, but they don't really talk back and no, he will send him a message. He will literally answer you just yes. like I get messages all the time and mm -hmm. I will answer you as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if anything, we can always get on a call and, yeah. um, you know, right. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's what happens. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Emmett, for being here. You're just such a joy and a gem to be around. Awesome. I had a great time. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Should do it again sometime. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. And, and, and you know, maybe you'll be on, I'll be on yours at some point. Ah, yeah. Hint, 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 hint. Yes. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
So if this episode resonates with you, I invite you to join my Spark Your Alpha community for bonus episodes, which really, I mean, they're a masterclass. I mean, let's be honest. And they are full of tools to set your alpha skills on fire at shaysparks.com. And remember, together we light up this world. So let's get fired up. Oh, 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 o